in our time of need. Open your Bibles tonight to Philippians chapter number 3. I mentioned earlier that um, several weeks ago, after the first of the year, that uh, I wanted to put a lot of emphasis on on growing and uh, preached a message just entitled Grow. And uh, anyway, we talked about growing, spiritual growth, abundant life, on and on. But maybe, maybe this message tonight really kind of sums up why I wanted to say all of those things. And, and nobody says it better than the Apostle Paul. And uh, Philippians chapter 3... And uh, let me just, from the very get-go, let you know where we're going as I read each one of these verses. And uh, the four things I want you to think about tonight. The title of the message is, Press On. Wow, well, that is quite a song. And for those of you that remember, uh, it, it's just a, an amazing message, Press On. Notice verse number 12, we see an humble declaration. Paul says, not as though I had already attained, either were perfect. Then we see a holy destination, verse 12, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And then there is a hearty determination. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And the fourth thing tonight I want you to see is that there is a heavenly devotion expressed here in verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, before we look at each one of those individually, let me just kind of, let me kind of just set the stage for, uh, for my thoughts. When we think about, for example, living here in America, uh, living with, uh, in the lap of luxury, with not only everything we need, but uh, far beyond that, God has just uh, showered His blessings upon us. And I don't think there's anyone here that could honestly say that God has shortchanged me in some way. We all have more than we deserve. We all have more than we need. And I... Uh, you know, uh, there'll be times somebody will ask, well, what, you know, what, what can I get you for, you know, Christmas or whatever? And I say, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't think of anything that I need. That, that, that sounds so crazy to me to, to think about how is it that I could be in a place that I could really honestly say I don't need anything. I, you know, I don't. I just, the Lord has supplied everything that I need. But you would think, that being here in America and, and so privileged that we'd be the happiest people on the face of the earth. But we all know that's not true. Because just everywhere you turn and look at people in America, it seems like that just about everybody is mad, bad, or sad. I mean, there's something always wrong. And, and, and a part of it is what we might refer to as headline hysteria. 
you know, we read the headlines of the newspaper or we listen to the news and, you know, we've got one shocking tragedy after another and people that are living in fear. And all of that tends to drag us down and to, and to promote worry and to make us fearful. And, uh, and, and we are in a dangerous position whenever we get depressed, especially when the depression has to do with, you know, the condition of the world and things that we can't control and so forth. We can't do anything about it, but we get all bent out of shape. And the problem is a lot of times that becomes our downfall. And that's why we're talking tonight about the need for us to press on because life is not going to always be easy. It's going to be difficult regardless of who you are. There's no promise of exemption regardless of how godly you are. The Lord didn't say, you know, if you'll reach a certain level of godliness in this life, I'm going to exempt you from hardships. I can't think of anyone that was more dedicated, anyone that was more godly than the Apostle Paul. And I've never met anyone that I know of that has gone through hardships the equal of what Paul had to suffer. And yet, and yet here in our text, we find him pressing on he, instead of giving up. And every single person here, I, I know I, I've, I've, heard, I've heard these super spiritual preachers say something to the effect, you know, uh, well, I tell you what, I've, I've, just, I've never felt like quitting. Well, I felt the same way the first year in the ministry. But, you know, there always comes a time sooner or later. And let me tell you something. Usually the thing that gets you down is something that you never suspected. It'll be something that comes from a direction that you never anticipated. You know, it'll maybe involve someone that you would have never thought of but that there will come a time that all of us, I think, reach that point we all just will feel like throwing in the towel, what's the use? Well, I want you to know God has something better than that, and that is that we press on. So notice verse number 12 here, this, the humble declaration that Paul made. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Now, you can see very clearly in that an attitude of humility. And that's a rare thing today because we would rather pretend that all is well when it isn't. One of my favorite writers, not a favorite theologian because I wouldn't agree with everything he says, but A.W. Tozer has a unique way of just... uh, I mean, taking a subject, an important subject, and slapping you in the face with it, and it gets a chokehold on you, and you just can't hardly forget it. And he made this statement. He said, The rapidity with which improvement is made in the life will depend altogether upon the degree of self-criticism we bring to our prayers and to the school of daily living. Let a man fall under the delusion that he has arrived and all progress is stopped until he has seen his heir and forsaken it. In other words, he's saying that if we're going to get ahead spiritually, we need to see the need to press on. Because if you don't, you're eventually going to 
get down. You're eventually going to turn around. You're eventually going to uh, stop. And like I've said before, uh, in describing delayed development, uh, I think the best way to do it is to say that we are stuck on stunted. That describes the spiritual growth of a lot of people. They are stuck on stunted. There was a time after they were saved, they began to grow, and all of a sudden their development is delayed, and now they're just stuck on stunted. And the sad thing about it is, you know, we start helping those people to give excuses by saying things, well, you know, that's just the way they are. You know, after all, yeah, 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 I know he's got a bad temper, but you gotta remember he's Irish, you know, and that, and no, no, that, listen, that's not the problem being Irish. The problem is they're, they're stuck on stunted. They're not growing as they should. And so just trying to explain our faults away by saying, well, you know, this is just the way I am, that's not good enough in God's sight because we need to get beyond that. It's evident here from what Paul is saying. He says, it's not as though I had already attained. In other words, I have not reached a state of perfection. I'm not everything that I ought to be. And, uh, and it takes a lot of humility to admit that. Because most of us, you know, we want to leave the impression with others that we're, you know, better than what we are. That we have more faith than what we really have. You know, or that we have more love than what we really have. We want to put ourselves in the best possible light, but we never progress when we do that. We've got to, we've got to, you know, get down to the place that we recognize we're not where we need to be. The problem is that instead of, instead of seeing our need for improvement and making progress, most people today would rather be, let's use the word entertained. Rather than being edified, they want something that will stir their emotions. We think about little children and what little children like to eat. They like things like gum bears and they, you know, and candy, sweet stuff. You know, they really don't care much about veggies normally. There might be a few exceptions to the rule, but generally they'll, you know, they'll eat all of the candy that they can get. And, and, and a lot of people, when it comes to their spiritual appetite, they don't want what's good for them. They want what makes them feel good. And the sad thing is there's always some preacher that's willing to give them what they want instead of what they need and then turn around and convince them that they're getting what they need. Am I making any sense? I, I, you need to think that through. They give them what they want instead of what they need, but then they convince them they're getting what they need. Oh, this is what you need. And, and, and the sad thing is many times they're living in spiritual ignorance. They couldn't give you a scriptural definition of the Lord's church if their life depended upon it. Some of them could not even give you a scriptural definition of the gospel. And, and, and so, you know, uh, it, whenever it comes to them giving their opinion about a church like this, 
They might say something, well, you don't want to go down there. Uh, they're more interested in doctrine than they are about spiritual uh, worship of the Lord and what have you. And, uh, and what they mean by that is we're just not emotional enough for them. Now, let me tell you, I don't mind emotion. I'm all for emotion. I think that's well and good. We probably need more of it most of the time. But, but listen, if we don't have a spiritual diet of the Word of God, we're never going to grow. You don't, you don't grow just from getting emotional. We think about, I shouldn't even mention the word football because everybody thinks about who I want or who's winning now, you know. But when you think about football, you think about anybody that's ever, ever played, you know, they know how it is that in the locker room before the game, they're banging their head on the locker and psyching themselves up and what have you. Let me tell you, all of, all of that might be just fine in a manner of speaking, but you never become a better player by the excitement in the locker room. You know where you become a better player? Whenever you're out there on the field and the coach is watching you and instructing you and correcting you, and, and it's through that process that you become more skilled at what you're doing. So just having a quote-unquote worship service where everybody gets thrilled and excited and what have you, and boy, we feel so good. And by the way, music can really make you feel good. We'd all agree with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's got to be more than that. But we've got to recognize the need. We've got to recognize our need of getting beyond where we are. And that takes humility. And that's what Paul is doing. There's this humble declaration that I have not already attained. It's not as though I'm already perfect. Then notice he speaks here about a holy destination. He says in verse 12, But... Even though I'm not perfect yet, but I follow after, I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You know, that word apprehended is a word that you might use in describing, uh, uh, capturing a criminal and putting him in, in prison. He's been apprehended. We caught him and put him in prison. And when Paul thinks about his relationship with the Lord, he's using this word apprehending and apprehended, and it's as though he's saying on the road to Damascus, he was apprehended of the Lord. I mean, he was arrested that day. God had control of that situation, but there was a purpose behind all of it. And that's what he's saying. I want to apprehend. I want to capture that for which I have been captured. I want to fulfill God's purpose in my life. We could say a lot of things about that, but I think the shortcut to it is to simply say that his goal was perfection. And I say that because he wrote in Romans 8 and verse number 29 that God has predestinated that we be conformed to the image of His Son. So that's God's purpose, His eternal purpose for every Christian. If you're here tonight and you're wondering, well, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. We can make it easy. He wants you to be like Jesus. That's exactly what He wants you to do. He wants you to be like Jesus 
And, and, and Paul is saying, I want to apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. I want to be perfectly holy as much as is possible. And whenever you read all of these verses here uh, and, and what he goes on to say, he, he's saying, I want to reach that state of perfection just as the resurrected saints are perfect. And, and I, you know, they're going to be totally perfected, and I am pursuing that prize. Reminds me of the story over in, um, well, it was at the foot of a mountain in the Switzerlands, and uh, it was the body of one of the uh, young Englishmen that had been killed while making his ascent there on one of the mountains and on his tombstone there for all to see were the words he died climbing you know that that's that's the way it ought to be with you and i whenever we come to the end of life's road when our race is over when our battle is done when our work is completed whenever we get down to the end of all of it hopefully hopefully Others will be able to say he died climbing. He he never he never plateaued. He never got to the point that he thought he was already perfect. He he never stopped growing, but he was still growing the day that he died. That is a holy destination. And that destination is the perfection that was demonstrated by Christ Himself. And then notice verse thirteen. There is a hearty determination on Paul's part. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I think we all would agree that to be successful at anything, we have to be determined. And Paul was determined. Paul was not a quitter. Now notice what he focused on. He says this one thing. It's kind of like saying that I am not a jack of all trades and a master of none, but rather he's saying I am a specialist. I specialize in this. My focus is on one thing. I have a single purpose. Now now keep in mind that he refused to lose his focus even when he was in a prison cell. And that's where he is when he's writing this, by the way. And, and so even there, he never allowed the circumstances to cloud his vision. He was still climbing, as it were, still had his focus on this one thing, and, uh, and that was to fulfill God's purpose in his life. And notice not only what he focused on, but what he forgot. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. Have you, have you ever thought about all that that might involve for Paul? Look back at verse 5 and 6. When he says, forgetting those things that are behind, this could have to do with all of his benefits. Notice he says that he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, boy, I'm telling you what, whenever he makes those statements there, it might not mean a lot to you, but boy, for, for the Jews of that day, it's like, wow, what a resume. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. You know what Paul said? 
I forgot all of that. All of that is behind me. I am no longer focused on all of those things that I used to think of as benefits. He says, I have forgotten about all of those things. Not only the benefits, but there were the failures. Notice that he is honest enough to admit that he had persecuted God's people. He had persecuted Christian people. And notice that is a major failure in anybody's life to do that. And yet he says, forgetting those things that are behind. No doubt tonight, if everybody would be honest, there would be someone here that, that you are still thinking back and still focused on some horrible mistake or sin or failure in your life. And it haunts you. And I've heard people say, I just can't get over it. I don't know why I did that. It was terrible. It was awful. I don't think I can ever forgive myself. Well, maybe you ought to stop trying to forgive yourself and realize that God is the one that forgives. And instead of you trying to forgive yourself, you need to rest in His forgiveness. And there's no reason for any of us to be haunted by our past when we've confessed our sins. And He could have spoken about His hardships, by the way. He he could have had those constantly on His mind, you know. And He, you know, just constantly every time he engaged in the conversation with someone say, hey, let me tell you about the day that they beat me there at Lister and drug me out of the city and I about lost my eyesight and they thought I was dead. Oh, oh, no, no, I got a better story than that. Let me tell you about the time I was shipwrecked out there. And He could have gone on and on and on talking about all of these stories of the hardships and the difficulties that he had been through. But he said, I forgot about all of those. Now, quite literally, he hadn't forgot them in the sense of not being able to remember them because he writes about them, but the Holy Spirit enables him to do that. When he talks about forgetting those things, he's simply letting us know these things no longer affect me. I don't sit around and dwell on it. It's not something that I sit around and think about. Also, Paul could have thought about his accomplishments. Wow. How do you do what Paul did, you know, with so little? There are no printing presses, no no sound system, no rapid transit. I mean, he doesn't have any of the things that we take for granted today. And yet, what he did for the Lord in planting churches is absolutely amazing. And, boy, I'll tell you, a lot of preachers would have made a fortune off of that kind of success. They would have been writing one book after another, How I Did It in 12 Easy Lessons, or, you know, they'd be making movies about their successes. Paul, Paul is saying, no, I forgot about all of those. You know, all of those things that are behind I forgot about that. I'm focused on this one thing. But notice not only what he focused on and what he forgot, notice here what he followed. He says, reaching forth unto those things which are before. That tells us that he had his priorities right. Reaching forth after those things that are out there ahead of me. These are the things that I am following after and, and, and that, that's where my focus is. That's where I've set my sights. You know, we need to stop tonight and ask ourselves, is that what I'm doing? 
If I put all of this other stuff out of my mind and I'm focused on this one thing, becoming the person that God wants me to be. Now look at verse 14. And here we see a heavenly devotion. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to understand exactly what Paul is saying because there's no pursuit in life that could be more important than this. Notice the word press in verse number 14. It's exactly the same word that's translated follow after in verse number 12. Same Greek word. And it means more than simply going in a particular direction. Stay with me now. It means more than that. It has to do with the intensity of the pursuit. Not just the direction, but the intensity of it. And, and we see the same thing there in verse 13 where he talks about reaching. And that word reaching means to stretch out or to strain. And every time I read this, I think about a runner that is straining every nerve, every, every muscle, every fiber of his being is straining as he's reaching out to cross the finish line. No doubt you've seen those pictures in the newspaper maybe during the Olympics and someone, uh, a, a sprinter, just as he gets there to the, to the finish line and he's all stretched out and I mean the veins are bulging out of his neck and his arms and his brow and you can just tell he's put everything he's got into this. That's what Paul is saying. There is this heavenly determination, this hearty determination, this heartfelt determination that he's putting everything he's got into it. You know, that's the way that life ought to be lived. Whenever we think about sports, for example, you know, the, the most talented player is not always the best player. And, and, and by the way, some of the best players are not people, you know, that had greater physical abilities or things like that, but they were people that put everything they had into it. And I, I could name names of different baseball players, even though I did not admire their character, uh, I had to admire the way they played the game. I believe it was George Brett that somebody asked him, you know, how he would like to go out, you know, the very final play of his career. And he said, I'd like to hit a slow roller to second base and run with everything I've got and just barely beat the throw to first base to where it was obvious that I put everything I had into the game. Pete Rose is somebody that played the game that way. You know, he made a lot of other mistakes, but there was no mistaking about the intensity with which he played the game. Let me tell you, we're not playing the game. This is the most serious thing in life, and that is our Christian development and and having our priorities straight and reaching that place that God wants us to be. And we need to strain and put absolutely everything we've got into it. That's not to say that we're not depending on God. It's to say that if we expect God to do what we can't, we have to do what we can. 
The old saying that God feeds the sparrow, but he doesn't throw the worm in the nest. God expects us to do what we can and the best that we can, and then he'll do what we can't. The problem is, the problem is we're still in the flesh, and the flesh likes to coast. The coasting is natural, uh, and we have to resist that urge. I think just about everybody, by nature, when you think about things in life, would you know, we'd all rather sit in a recliner than ride a bucking bronco. You know, we'd all rather, you know, do something easy than do something hard. But if if we have our priorities straight and we're going to spend our life doing what's most important, we have to do the hard things rather than coast. Coasting is comfortable. You know, it pleases the flesh, but it doesn't please the Lord. Comfortable you know, or coasting is not only comfortable, but, but it's popular. Now, you can always find people that will coast with you. It's hard to find people that, you know, that will accept the challenge of spiritual growth. And so Paul says, notice, he says that he is pressing toward, putting everything he's got in what? Going toward the mark. The mark. In other words, there is a fixed purpose There's a burning desire, and he wants to be a winner, and he's willing to pay the price, whatever it is. And whenever you study this chapter, you see that he wants to know Christ more intimately. He wants to follow Christ more closely. He wants to become like Christ more fully. And the same thing ought to be said of each and every one of us. Somebody says, well, there's no need in trying to be perfect because we'll never be perfect. No, but you'll be a lot more perfect if you try than you will if you don't. Amen. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, we can't win every ball game. No sense in, you know, going all out if we can't win them all. Well, you're not going to win any with an attitude like that. Amen. And if we're going to grow, it starts with us seeing our need of growth And having enough humility to admit, I am not all that I could be or all that I should be. And and I'm going to get my priorities straight. And I'm going to do everything that is within my power to become the person God wants me to be. Now, I've got just one question and I'm through. How important is it to you to reach that mark, that place, win that prize that God has for you. How important is that? Knowing that's what God wants is one thing. Knowing that you want that more than anything else is another thing. And, and listen, if, if we're not reaching toward that mark, striving for that prize, we're majoring on minors. Our priorities are all wrong. Press on. There are going to be times, folks, that you just feel like throwing in the towel, times you feel like quitting, times when you feel like, well, it is all in vain, times when you think, I am in this alone, there's nobody else that cares, and if they're, you know, if they're not going to give it their best, why should I even try? And during those times, you need to remember that God holds each one of us individually accountable for where we are in our spiritual growth. And if a man like Paul recognized the need to continue to improve, 
you can bet that every single one of us has a need to press on and go on and become something we're not, to become more than what we are, and to mature in a spiritual sense day by day by day until we become more and more like Christ. And when it's all over, maybe someone will chisel on our tombstone, He died climbing. He died climbing. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank You, Lord, for the great potential that we have as Your children to realize that regardless of how difficult, regardless of how dangerous, regardless of how how hard it is for us at different times of our life to remain enthused about serving You and doing the things that we know deep down that we ought to do. In spite of all of that, we know that the possibility is there and that if we'll simply surrender ourselves and, and fully give ourselves to the pursuit of, of those things that You have for us, we know that the power of Your Spirit will enable us to do what we could never do on our own. So, Heavenly Father, if there's someone tonight that is just stuck on stunted, someone whose development has been delayed, they've, they've, they've just all but given up, and I pray tonight that you'll encourage them to press on, to forget about all of those things of the past, to focus on the future, on the prize, and to follow after those things that will help them to reach the goal that God has set for their life. Because we know, Lord, that you make no mistakes. So help us to align our priorities to fit with your plan that we might become more like you. For we pray in Jesus' name.